0: I don't know about you, but I have great memories of Christmas. I have great memories of Christmas. I can remember caroling, and I can remember specific presents that meant a lot to me. I can think of light displays that I really enjoyed looking at, and candlelight services at church that just ministered to my heart. Some of the best Christmases were when our daughters were young, and it was like their first... Christmas, that was awesome. And then when our granddaughters, our first Christmas for them, that was great. I remember Christmases at my grandparents' house and and how enjoyable that was and going from one grandparent's house to the next grandparent's house and, and just enjoying Christmas together. But one great memory that I have is one year when I was not too old, I can't remember, probably 14 or 15, I'm not sure, but but we had this... My mom and dad had this great idea. We were going to do the 12 days of Christmas. And that was awesome. The 12 days of Christmas. So every day leading up to Christmas for those 12 days, including Christmas, 12 days, uh, we would get a gift. And so 11 days before Christmas, we got a gift. And it might be something small like a a pair of socks one day, or or a pack of socks one day. Uh, And then maybe the next day we'd get a little toy, you know, a little... Little toy. In fact, one of the gifts I remember on that Christmas, I'm almost positive, were these little guns. You put a, like a ping-pong ball in, you squeeze them, and it popped the ping-pong ball out, and we had wars. Me and my brothers had wars with those things. A game one week. But, but what, I, what I want you to understand is that every single day, <coughs> the gifts kind of got <coughs> a little bigger and a little bigger. And not that they were humongous gifts, I don't want you to think that, but, but this anticipation grew and grew and grew and as Christmas came it grew and grew because each day you know I got socks one day surely I'm gonna get something better than that (laughs) underwear oh yeah that's better than socks but you know (laughs) so when you think about it Christmas is right around the corner and I'm sure you all are already anticipating something now maybe you are like some people not me but some people, you have already decorated your house. it got a Christmas tree up, lights on the outside, Christmas music playing. I mean, come on! What is going on? In fact, at your house, the Christmas joy is already palpable. I mean, people are excited. They drive by your house, they're like, yeah, look at that house. That's not me. That's, that's not me. That's not me. Maybe you are anticipating Christmas with some dread because you realize how full your schedule is you have counted up how many gifts you've got to buy and you're already looking at your credit limit deciding whether you have enough room in there to get these gifts paid for and then the dread goes on because you know a month later you have to start paying for those gifts and you look and you're still paying for last year's gifts and the year before that's gifts Some people may even approach Christmas this year with sadness because it is a reminder of those they've they've lost. They're, They're aware of those people that they've lost and how hard it's going to be this Christmas for them. I want you to understand that the anticipation of Christmas is nothing new. In fact, the entire Old Testament is a written anticipation of Christmas. It is is a, a way of which to point everyone to the Messiah that was coming. They were all looking for the Anointed One. They were all looking for someone that was going to deliver them, to rescue us. They were all looking for what happened on Christmas morning. And like many of us, they had different anticipations of what might happen. Some felt, hey, we're going to be freed from oppressive rulers. And some thought, hey, when the Messiah comes, He is going to elevate the Jewish nation to the very top of the world order. But whatever their expectations, everyone had an expectation of a Messiah coming and what that meant to them. And by the way, it started very, very, very early in God's Word. You can go back to Genesis chapter 1 and it refers or alludes to Jesus. Let's make them in our image, God says. But you go to chapter 3 verse 15 and there's actual prophecy about Jesus. In fact, Genesis 3 15, it says, And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. God talking to the serpent. After Adam and Eve have sinned, He says, hey, there's an offspring coming that's going to crush you. You might injure His heel, but He is going to crush your head. God essentially says, I am going to send a rescuer. I'm going to send an offspring that is going to transform things around here. In fact, to be quite honest, we understand that that offspring is Emmanuel, God with us. So through each prophet, each word, the message was proclaimed. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. And so today we get to Isaiah. And Isaiah is prophesying about Jesus 740 years before Jesus comes on the scene. And I want to look at what Isaiah says about Jesus. By the way, Isaiah talks about Jesus' birth, but he also talks about Jesus' death. All in the same book. But in Isaiah chapter 9, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. That is where our message is from this morning. Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to read verses 1 and 2, then we're going to jump to 6 and 7. This is what it says Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Then verse 6 and 7. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of His ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen." In Isaiah's prophecy here, we recognize that Jesus is coming and Isaiah describes Jesus, the Messiah, as coming as a light into the darkness. In fact, Isaiah literally says Jesus flashes in to the darkness. The Messiah flashes in to the dark that we live in as we approach this Christmas season, I want you to understand that the idea, the realization that Jesus flashed into the darkness, that Jesus came as a light to those living in the dark should transform how you look at this season. It should change everything about Christmas season. One of the reasons is because without Jesus, we are in the dark. Without Jesus, we are in the dark. Every single one of us, without him, are living in darkness. In John chapter 1, verses 9 through 12, it says, The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. Jesus, on Christmas morning, as a baby, entered this world of darkness as the one true light. He came into the darkness of our world and offered us the opportunity to be a part of the family of God To live in the light for not just now, but for an eternity in His presence. I bet if we take a quick glance around our world, we can see the darkness. We can look out at people walking through this time of year and realize that they are walking around with no idea how much darkness they are in how much danger they are in. We can look out into this world and we can look at those people who will deny the truth of Scripture and embrace the lies that Satan tells. We can look out into this world and we can see people living without hope and without joy and without peace. They live a life lost in the darkness of materialism and secularism and hedonism and relativism. They are blinded by the dark. But before we get too critical of those outside the walls of this church building, we need to recognize that the truth be told, we don't have to look outside to see the dark. All we really have to do is look inside our hearts, and we will recognize the darkness. Because I guarantee there's not a single one of us here who would want every other person here to be able to see into their heart and all the things that they have done or said or thought or desired within. Jesus came in to the darkness as a light. There's a website called The Experience Project. It describes itself as a place to share life experiences from people like you. Visitors to the site are asked to share their thoughts about life experiences by answering questions like, uh, what does loneliness feel like? Or who do you want to spend time with? Or what is your favorite pastime? In one post, readers were asked to respond to the following statement, I prefer darkness over light. A young woman going by the screen name Beyond Repair offered a particularly honest and insightful response. This is what she said. I prefer darkness over light. The darkness allows me to hide who I am and what I truly feel. In the light, all things have a chance to be revealed. Darkness makes it easier to hide. In the dark, you cannot see what is coming next. The darkness is the place where you can lose yourself. Lost in the dark is a great place to be because then you are free from what you were and can be what you want the darkness is bliss late film director Stanley Kubrick writes this about his view on life the very meaningless meaninglessness of life forces man to create his own meaning the most terrifying fact about the universe is not that it's hostile but that it is indifferent. In fact, after his death, his wife was asked if Stanley Kubrick believed in God, and she said, uh, "That's tricky. I think he believed in something, if you understand my meaning. He he was a bit of a fatalist, uh, a, a bit of a fatalist actually, but he was also very superstitious." She said, I, I once asked him." Uh, after the shining, if he believed in ghosts. And he said that it would be nice if there were ghosts, as that would imply that there is something after death. In fact, she said, I think he said, gee, I hope so. Gee, I I hope so. What a terrible way to live life. Either way, either one of those uh, positions, it's a terrible way to live our life." to either be hiding in the dark or or lost, or to be hopeless and live life of meaninglessness. What a terrible way to live! But that's exactly why Jesus came. To free us from that type of life. To free us from hopelessness and meaninglessness and, and lostness. To free us from having to hide, but to embrace what He has given us. See, Christmas is a celebration of the birth of the light. In fact, Christmas is where we celebrate all sorts of gifts Jesus as the light brings to those who trust Him with their lives. That's what it's about. It's reminding us of all the gifts that Jesus is bringing to us, those who trust Him as the light of their life. In Isaiah 9, verse 6, let me read it to you again. For a child is born to us, A son is given to us. The government will rest on His shoulders and He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I love these descriptions of what Jesus the light brings to you and to me. I love these descriptions because they proclaim a lot about the gifts that He has brought. For instance, the light reveals truth. The light reveals truth. Wonderful counselor. Now, I don't know if you've ever went to a counselor or if you've ever sought someone else's counsel, but when you do, you are looking for someone who will lead you and instruct you and maybe even confront you with truth. You're not going to them to hear something false. You're not going to them to find out something that is untrue. You want to hear the truth of the situation. You want them to help you through the truth of the situation. You want them to have wisdom that they can spill into your life so that you can walk differently or that you can respond differently. Jesus is the wonderful counselor because Jesus has all the truth. In fact, He is truth. And He is truth. Wisdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, it says, So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in His wisdom saw, saw to it that the world would never know Him through human wisdom, He has used uh, our foolish preaching to save those who believe. God's wisdom is so far superior than the world's that the world's looks foolish. Think about Jesus as He's walking the roads (laughs) in the the Holy Land. He's all over the place, walking from place to place. And you remember, as He's walking around and He's growing in popularity and growing in uh, influence, the religious leaders of his day, if you remember, they start to, to, to make up schemes in which they can trap Jesus. In fact, they spend a lot of time talking to each other. Okay, let's word a question in such a way that we're going to trap him. So no matter which way he says, it is going to be look, make him look foolish. If you remember this. They did this multiple times. And every time they come to Jesus to trap Him with what they think is an unanswerable question, He always answers the question and is never trapped. In fact, almost every single time, He flips the tables on them and He makes them look foolish. You know why? Because His wisdom makes all human wisdom look foolish. You can bring any kind of insane question to Jesus you want. But His wisdom is always going to make your wisdom look foolish. That applies across the board. You've not been called to live this life in human wisdom. You've been called to live this life in the wisdom of God. That's a completely different thing. You do things completely different if you're living for God than if you're living for this world. That is the wisdom I want to follow with my life. In fact, maybe that is exactly why Jesus says, follow me when He calls people. Follow me. Follow me. In fact, 1 John 1, verses 5 and 6, it says this. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in Him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. You can't claim Jesus as Lord and live in the dark anymore. You can't. You can't. The light reveals the truth. Jesus came to give us truth. Not only that, but the light reveals God. The light reveals God. Now you have to realize just how earth-shaking this prophecy was. For Isaiah to write down and prophesy that a baby, a human being, could be proclaimed mighty God would have been considered by the Jews a blasphemy. To attribute the attributes of God to a human being would have been considered blasphemy. But that's exactly what Isaiah says. A baby, not just a human being, but a baby is going to come. And that baby is God. Mighty God. That is exactly who Jesus is. He is God. Almighty God in the flesh. Plus they describe Him as everlasting Father, so I find that even more interesting. He's mighty God and He is not only God, but He is God forever. God. In every direction God all the way back as far as you could possibly go before time began, and all the way forward as far as you could possibly go until you know, time doesn't matter anymore. He is God. John 14, verse 9 says this, Anyone who see, has seen Me, Jesus says, has seen the Father. So why are you asking Me to show Him to you? Jesus is telling you. His disciples, I am! I'm showing you the Father right here in front of you. Here I am. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. It says this, For God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ. All the fullness of God lives in Jesus. I want you to think about how amazing that is. We can know God because Jesus has revealed Him to us. And not just temporarily to us, but we can know God and be a part of God's family and be in the presence of God for an eternity, forever. That is what the light brought on Christmas morning. One last thing, the light brings peace. He's described as the Prince of Peace. It's a reminder that the light that Jesus brings us is a peace that can never be found in the darkness. I can't think of one single person outside of the church who has real, lasting peace. Not a single person. I can't think of a single person outside the church that has real, lasting peace. Now, they might have peace for a little bit, for a little bit of time, in a specific situation, but not the peace that Jesus is offering here. They don't have that. I've seen a lot of people with every single thing you could want in this world, and yet they don't have peace. They're not content. They want more. And they want more. I've seen some people with all the fame, all the recognition, and they, they didn't have peace. They took their own life because they didn't have peace. There's only one way to truly find peace, and that is to find it in Jesus. In fact, the peace we get through Jesus is described by Paul in Philippians chapter 4. You're familiar with it. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank Him for what He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Only when we walk in the light of Christ can we experience a peace in our heart, in our minds that are indescribable, that just surpasses all understanding, that people will be flabbergasted by. I can't believe they are so calm in that situation. I can't believe that they're not upset when they're facing this or that or the other. Jesus flashed into the darkness so we could enjoy the freedom of a peace that comes from knowing, knowing that God has got it. He's got this. God has got this. And He always has. Maybe we ought to listen to what C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis always has a way of putting things better then I could possibly put it, or probably almost anyone else could possibly put it, but this is what he says about the incarnation. He says, in the Christmas story, God comes down. Down from the heights of absolute being into time and space. Down into humanity. Down further still, if embryologists are right, to recapitulate in the womb, ancient and pre-human phases of life, down to the very roots and seedbed, seedbed of the nature he created. But he goes down to come up again and bring the whole ruined world up with him. One might think of a diver who sheds his robes, then glances into midair, then, gone with a splash, vanishing. Rush vanished, rushing down through green, warm water into black, cold water, down through increasing pressure into the death-like region of ooze and slime and old decay, then up again, back to color and light, his lungs almost bursting, till suddenly he breaks the surface again, holding in his hand the dripping, precious thing that he went down to recover." You are that dripping, precious thing that Jesus dove into the darkness of our existence to recover. You and me. were it. He entered darkness. He became the created, which He created. He experienced all the troubles of our lives in order to bring us back up into a place where we can spend life eternal with God the Father. Jesus brought light into darkness to lead us home. And that is something that we should look forward to, and that is something we should celebrate. When you go through this Christmas season, as you see the light on your Christmas tree, let it remind you each and every time that Jesus is the light that came into the darkness. When you're driving through the community and you just see these displays of lights on people's houses, let it remind you every time that Jesus left heaven to dive into the darkness to bring you up, to save you. When you're driving past someone's house and they have a lit up Santa Claus, don't think of Santa Claus, think of Jesus. Because Jesus is way more important. And He's the one who truly gives you a gift that's worth having. John 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Let's accept that gift of light by trusting Jesus with our life.